This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome in, everybody, to the Landry Football Podcast for this Thursday. I have to thank you. Thursday, January 21st. Good to be with you. Um, both on Twitch TV live as we're doing this show live, and we'll certainly take your comments and questions that we have here, um, as well as on the podcast forum, which you can catch through the great folks at Radio Influence. You can also pick it up through LandryFootball.com. We're just so happy to be with you as we are each and every week here. Uh, a reminder that if you want to watch us live and participate live, you can join us at Twitch TV. Subscribe to the Chris Landry channel, just twitch.tv forward slash um, Chris Landry football. Just go to LandryFootball.com, click on follow Chris on Twitch, and it'll get you there. Uh, and it's real simple, real easy, free. Uh, and you can get um, anytime we do a podcast, you'll get a notification that we're getting ready to go live so that you can join us. You can uh, cheer us on a few bits, have some fun. Um, if you like what we do, uh, we certainly appreciate your support. Uh, also appreciate the great job that the folks at um, Radio Influence do getting us, uh, getting this podcast out as they do so many great um, shows that they have and just great being part of their family. Contact them if you know of someone that is interesting, interested in um, promoting this show. We'd love to have you, love to talk to you, and we can get you in touch with the proper folks there. Um, you can certainly reach me at LandryFootball.com through contact Chris. It'll get to me. Uh, trust me, it'll, it'll, it'll go through the proper channels, get to me. Uh, if you got any questions, comments, if you got any questions uh, that you want to discuss here, we're going to, again, as we like to say, like to make it a little interactive to answer a football question. Uh, we'll give you perspective from a coaching and scouting perspective, what it's all about. LandryFootball.com is is also something we're really proud of is that's we can go in-depth on the game of football, breaking down the games as we're going to break down the conference championship games um, that are taking place this weekend, of course. Uh, and then we are certainly um, – have, have the season – is coming to its conclusion with now just three games left. We we do that a lot during the season. We break down all the games. But then it you wonder, if you're new to us, you're wondering, well, what do you do now? Well, everyone that is a part of what we do is well aware of what we do all year round. No, we don't go away. We're there we're working on a number of things. First of all, you can get all the latest information in our coaching search notebook about what's going on around 
the world of the coaching search movement, got a lot of assistant movements. We're down to just a, a few head coaching situations, really a couple in the NFL, one major one in college that may not be filled for a while. We'll, we'll see on that. Um, but we got that covered. Uh, we also uh, give you news and notes in our notebooks. We're going to you know, ratchet that up a little bit with uh, what's going on in the transfer portal in college. Certainly all the news and notes around the NFL is, as we wrap up a season, we get into the business part of the season of football, which is college transfer portal recruiting, um, the NFL free agency, the draft, uh, working on my initial draft board stuff that we're going to get out uh, on my notes here. We're going to get that up on the website. Also working on and recruiting, as you can see some of my notes there, on um, the 2020 class, putting that to, to bed. I think I've got a dozen, maybe 13 players that are unsigned in this 2020, uh, excuse me, 2021 now, um, recruiting class. Uh, most of them have signed. I'm going to give you updates on all of that. So those are just some of the many things we give you over at LandryFootball.com. So check it out today. Um, very simple. It's your one-stop shopping for football at all levels, giving you a coaching and scouting perspective uh, for less than a magazine subscription, less than $10 a month. And it's even less than that if you take advantage of the year membership. So Check that out. All right, that out of the way. Want you? I'm going to get into. Going to take your questions. Anything that you might have. I appreciate Kev Calargo and Jig's dad uh, cheering us on a few bits. Appreciate you doing that. We're going to get into some depth on um, Packers, Bucks, Chiefs, Bills. Hey, look. You know the games. Ultimately, the product on the field is what it's ultimately all about. Everything that we do, we, and and when I say we, and, and we provide this on LandryFootball.com and, and certainly on the network here, shows like this, we provide you the information that's going to ultimately lead to the success or lack thereof on the field <clears throat> in the fall. And um, so it's all important. It's um, And it's very newsy, very intriguing but it really is about the games. It really is about it. And so we're going to we're gonna get in-depth a little bit. Now, the, the most in-depth, and we're working on it, going to have it up part, partially today and tomorrow, the previews of the conference championship games. When I get them up on Friday, the games are on Sunday. But we're going to – we're working on that. Um, but it really is what you strive for as – a coach, as a scout, you'll work all year long to be in a position. Um, just, you know, it's everything you do is to get um, to this point. Everything you do, all the sacrifices, all the things that, you know, you do for you know, family and personal issues, it's it's directly related into the focus that you put. And it is, I've been on, uh, fortunate to have been on Super Bowl runs, make it to the Super Bowl. It's the pinnacle. It's the pinnacle of football. 
I've been in situations, uh, coached in college football before we had the playoff set up, but where you're competing for conference titles, an SEC title and a, and a national championship titles, those are great. And it's what you shoot for. And those, so all the recruiting trips, all the evaluation, all the, the work you do, you know, I've been doing now for 30 plus years as a scout, all these things that are so pertinent to your success. It's, this is what it's all for. So we want to give it the time that it's just deserved and certainly going to answer any questions that you might have to it. I see we got a whole bunch. I'm going to get to them in a second. Great to hear from um, uh, Cyclone Rich in uh, uh, Big Ball 17. Um, Rich coach, Jig's dad, Kev Calargo. You can also join us in the show in the chat room again by going to uh, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. Um, but one of the things that, you know, in my current role in the consulting part is to just do that, consult, provide whatever expertise that it may be perceived that I have um, to the folks that are involved at the college football and NFL administrative and coaching levels. I try to do. And one of the things in for for me, people ask me about my work a lot and and how things work from a calendar standpoint. And I would say that right now just becomes one of the busiest times. It has been the busiest time, really around the holidays, you know, uh, Christmas holidays. And now it's and it's, well, I don't get that season. Well, you got the season that's getting to its conclusion, but it's still going on. You've got recruiting that's going on. You've got, while it's the playoff time in the NFL and playoff time in college, you've got heavy emphasis on recruiting and coaching changes in college, heavy emphasis on coaching changes in the NFL, and decisions that are going to need to be made in terms of evaluating each of your rosters for the teams that don't make the playoffs. And how do you get that better? And then you've got the whole draft process, whole free agent process. Um, and, and so at least when we the coaching search work starts to slow down a bit, then it becomes, you know, a little bit more in the season is completely done. Then it becomes all what we call the business season of football, uh, whereas now it's kind of partially business season, which includes coaching changes, coaching search work, um, evaluation, player evaluation and coaching evaluation, college NFL level recruiting, uh, you know, it's, so we, when we get to the point where recruiting is kind of the bed for this class, and of course we keep everything up to date a year in advance on Landry football recruiting wise, but you've got, you've got all of that going. And, um, but when we can get the recruiting done and the season done, then we can, we'll focus a lot more and we'll have a lot of information in the transfer portal and um, the draft process and all that. So it's all coming, and it's very, very busy time. So I know we appreciate uh, uh, everybody's involvement. Uh, people tell me a lot that there's probably more fun to be a part of what we do at Landry Football this time of year all the way through the draft than at any point because there's so many things that convert. So anyway, really excited. We're going to get into the games. We're going to get into some of the latest address your questions. 
and kind of piggyback it a little bit off of uh, a topic that I had uh, yesterday that uh, on the scout's eye uh, with regard to kind of the coaching searches and, you know, maybe some of the issues and how not, or in the cases, um, in some cases, how not to go about dealing with a coaching search. Um, so we'll get to it. Um, Okay, let's see here. Let's get some uh, Jig's dad says, Chris, you, you said once you would dig into with more detail. You're near Cuse hire back in the day. I'm not sure if today is good or not. Your weather wait to summer renewed last week for another year. Thanks, Jig's dad. Yeah, so um, I'm at LSU, and um, I get a call, which was kind of ironic because it would have – I'm trying to remember what month it was. I want to say it was like May or something, the month of May. And I, gosh, I, I have to go back. It wouldn't be difficult to figure out what year, but right now it's not real important. But so back in the day, and uh, Paul Pasqualoni was the head coach at Syracuse. And I'd known Paul. I mean, I'd known of him. I didn't know him well. And, and coached at LSU, and we coached the answer. But anyway – get a call and I was hardly ever home. I mean, I basically lived at the facility. So the fact that it was might've been nine o'clock at night on a May evening. And I get this call and, uh, I'm quite sure I got my number. Cause you know, it wasn't the information age wasn't what it is anyway, not important. And it's Paul Pascaloni. There is a recruiting coordinator, job opening there and um he wants to talk to me about it and we spent i guess maybe 60 70 minutes on the phone talking about philosophies ideas kind of what i've done and whatnot um he seemed very interested and based upon what he asked i could tell that he had done some research and i'm I think I know who maybe some of the people we talk to, but you know, you can always tell when they talk about certain things that maybe you were involved in that there's really no way he could have known, you know, players you recruited, things you did that you wouldn't really know unless you were behind the scenes. I could tell he had done his homework. And Paul was very, um, very no nonsense, wasn't, you know, you know, right to the point and was a very good conversation. Liked him. Um, uh, At the end of the day, at the time, I was contemplating a few things um, at LSU. I was, you know, looking maybe to make a move as that hired a new coach. and, And while I had been retained, I didn't think things were going to go very well overall. And, and quite frankly, while there was a point in time, I could have been an, an LSU lifer. I knew that this was going to be bad. And I, I, you know, it's one thing to kind of see things go bad, but to basically be there and see it gone bad and you can't really do anything about it was, was something I said, I, I, I need to look at things. And then, other people had told me you really need to expose yourself to other folks and 
and really move on. So at the time, I had an offer from Michigan. Um, and so it didn't work out at Syracuse. I ended up going to Michigan and meeting with Michigan for a similar position at Michigan. Um, Gary Moeller was the head coach. And I developed a really good relationship with the defensive coordinator at Michigan at the time by the name of Lloyd Carr. Um, but what I remember most about that was as I was picked up at the airport and brought into Schembechler Hall, who has an office right there kind of in the front. It was the, well, it was the office, kind of a recruiting secondary, kind of an open office thing, and then the recruiting office. Who has the office right before, but none other than Bo Schembechler? And much to my surprise, I did not anticipate, <laughs> in addition to spending some time with Lloyd Carr, spending a lot of time with Gary Moeller, the head coach, I didn't anticipate, um, <laughs> honored, but didn't anticipate having to spend a lot of time speaking with, with Bo Schembechler, which is really, really interesting. Bo had retired, but Bo still had an office at a place named after him. And, you know, involved, I wouldn't say, but kind of had an office and I don't know, was a somewhat of a person involved um, with, you know, whatever he was doing in a, in a, you know, in a, in a way. So anyway, that's the, you asked about Syracuse situation. So ended up not taking either one. I ended up staying um, because this was May and I thought, um, that there were some real NFL opportunities. I had done scouting work for one of the NFL scouting arms for years, part-time called Blesto, which stood originally for bears, lions, Eagles, Steelers, talent organization. And then the Vikings joined and they called it Blesto V and then the dolphin. And then they stopped changing the name because corporate wise, it was a pain in the rear. And I thought, I started really thinking about maybe the NFL. I was the guy that handled all the scouts when they came on campus. So um, I develop enough and, and look like that there may be an opportunity, but you know, it wasn't quite there in, in long story short, then ended up going to Cleveland, but that's, that's my source. Nothing fantastic. I didn't go up there and visit, you know, with Paul, we talked, um, he had called back. And I told him, I said, look, I said, this is my situation. Uh, we had a quicker conversation the next time. Um, and then I kind of explained my situation, some of what I told you, but then kind of there's some other details. And then uh, he ended up hiring a guy from, believe it or not, a young guy from Michigan by the name of Mike Vollmer, who's spent a lot of times in athletic administration. So um, anyway, that's uh, be that as it may, that's the story um, about the Syracuse. Um, to, uh, Rich Coach says, uh, was the move by the Pac-12 moving on from Larry Scott planned or other? Well, I think it's been rumored. I think that the fact that they've not had a lot of success there, I think the fact that the 
maybe some of the leadership or lack thereof. It's been rumored for quite some time. The timing, look, these things usually play out this way. They usually, their their contracts usually run at the end of a calendar year, like an academic calendar year. So it's usually like June. And it's usually something that they announce, unless it's an unusual circumstance, it's usually somebody's going to step aside at the end of, you know, the next six months, the end of the calendar year. So it really wasn't, it's not a surprise, but I wasn't anticipating it happening now. Look, I think it's a great opportunity for the Pac-12 to get somebody that is forward-thinking, that maybe has more background in football that can help that football program. Really, really important. Um, Big Ball, so any idea of the new offensive staff at Marshall outside of retaining Tim Cramsey as offensive coordinator? Yeah, in fact, I've got a, a lot of information in our coaching search notebook. Nothing, you know, we're going to get to the details once once they're official, and we'll talk about it here, but um, very impressed with, you know, uh, they've been able to do so yeah check that out we've we've got that no question um uh hey cyclone rich thank you for joining us and appreciate you listening to the podcast hope you uh listening to the show makes household chores somewhat enjoyable that's great we really appreciate that um with coach Huff's connections and background with maryland specifically the baltimore area will that be an area marshall will look to target more in recruiting look marshall is a really good program that is, um, I think, in that upper echelon, upper tier group of five programs. You know, Cincinnati's had a good run and I think has a lot. Um, you know, I think Houston has that potential. We know Central Florida has had some success. Yeah, I think they're they're in that upper tier group. So when you say go into the Baltimore area, yes, but just as long as you understand getting the second tier guys, are they going to go out and out recruit? If Clemson wants a kid in the Baltimore area, Marshall's not competing with Clemson for a kid or, or anything like that. I don't know that they're going to beat Maryland on a kid. Um, now with Loxley doing some of the things he's doing recruiting wise, I think, I think that's going to be tough, but that next year that maybe that, that right three-star kid, you know, you can get that. But you, and I don't think you're suggesting this. But if if people just so people are clear that no, 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 Marshall's not going to go out and start getting four-star kids in in the Chesapeake Bay area. No, it's it's they're they're going to be able to recruit well, and I think a lot of connections. There's no question, but recruiting's really important uh, as it is for any program. But putting together good staff and developing development is even more important because at the group of five level, it's why I always encourage guys to look at some of these group of five guys and not worry about their record. I mean, the record's important because it's the result. Watch how guys coach. Because at the group of five level, what usually separates you is your ability to coach. You know, Boise is another, you know, group of five levels. So look at their ability to coach and get the most because they're not getting the best players. They're developing them best. You've got to be able to recruit well with your resources that you have. Uh, Marshall has that. Marshall's got the pedigree of a program. They've got some historical value. And, yeah, so I think he'll do a good job. Um, again, not 
not to the power five level and beating those kids, get, beating the door for those kids, but some others. Chris, uh, how do you ha- uh, do you have any idea where Jim Schwartz could end up for his next stop? Uh, Jim is going to sit out. Um, Jim's a Jim's a guy that works the phones, always has. You know, I don't know. I mean, first of all, he's not coaching this year. So to suggest what he might do a year from now is, I mean, if he doesn't know, there's no way in the hell I would know. So I, I don't have that. Um, be in the NFL somewhere on somebody's staff. Uh, don't know that it's going to be even as a coordinator. I don't know what he wants. Also, although Noam and worked with him, I don't know what he's done with his money and how he's invested. He's very smart. So maybe he's done with it. I I don't know. He's kind of young, but he's also had some health issues. So um, we'll see. Um, I can relate. We're kind of in that same age frame, um, a little bit older than him. But, you know, I've had health issues. And people ask me all the time, you know, when when I, um, I was up for the, the, the Buffalo job, the GM job, you know, a few years ago and you know, looked at it, flattered, but, you know, in the end, I thought, you know, health-wise, that, that wasn't going to work for me. And to do it the way it needs to be done, um, yeah, you can delegate and all that, but but if you're not if you're not doing what, what you have to do, that just wasn't going to work. And it's one of the reasons why I, I recommended Brandon Bean and, and, and really McDermott. Both of those guys were really guys that I was high on. And I said, they, they do a much better job in the end that I could, uh, in my current circumstances. So I think it has to really, um, um, come down to what level of commitment and you want to do it. So it's in a lot of these cases when you're back, you really want to do it. You're excited. Then you realize that there's certain things health wise that hold you back. And, um, in some cases, and if you have that, you know, it's just like anything else. It's like, you know, I might, I might want to, you know, run like I used to as a player. I, I, I can't run it. The hip's not good. The knees are not good. I mean, you know, you just, you just, you're dealing with some things and, um, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever health wise. So that was, the, that's maybe the thing I think going on with, with, uh, Schwartzy. uh, rich coach. What was the reason Bill Parcells backed out of the buck stop? You Culverhouse. The relationship, he had done his homework, but yet um, Bill was always one that was, that's a, you talk about a perfect example of a guy that health issues that loved to coach, always went back in the coaching because he couldn't live without coaching. Then he also couldn't live with it because once he got it, he had to get out because health wise, it was killing him. And then Bill, Bill didn't help his heart situation with, his diet. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how many fast food, you know, meals he said, he's just, he just, he just, um, you know, we all have our vices and stuff, I guess, but he just didn't eat as good as he needed to with somebody that had some heart issues. And, um, so that complicated matters and the stress. And then, you know, sometimes the stress, you eat a little mud, you eat the wrong things. And so he was always, he was always in, he was always out. Well, back in the bought the Buccaneers days, he had literally let, let me put this in perspective how this would play out today. Boy, if you had social media back then. 
So he didn't back out of the job. It wasn't like today where you hear Parcells has gone to the box. Parcells has gone to the box. And then it's like the next news cycle, the next tweet, the next day is he's backing out. No, no, no. It wasn't like that. We're talking Saturday morning in a January. The Buccaneers have a press conference. I mean, at Buck's place, all the media is assembled, podiums there, everybody's there to announce Bill Parcells. And you, Culverhouse, instead announces Bill Parcells is not coming. Could you imagine that today? In today's environment, holy mackerel, would that go, you know, would that go viral? What a, what a, you know, unbelievable um, situation. Things like that happen. The biggest thing that talked Parcells out of the job. Parcells was very close with Ron Wolf. They developed a friendship. Ron Wolf, you might remember from Packers fame, drafted Brett Favre and won a Super Bowl there. But Ron Wolf spent some time with the Jets before taking with the Dick Steinberg before taking the Packers job. Ron Wolf also was the key guy in helping Al Davis and the Raiders build a very, very good team in their Super Bowl run years. But what people, Ron Wolf had two stints with the Raiders. He left the Raiders to become the general manager for the Bucks. Ron Wolf was the first general manager of the Bucks. And so he lived through the U Culver House, which was the cheapest run, worst run organization. And of course, at this time that Bill was considering taking the Bucks job, Ron had already made it to Green Bay. And I think those conversations about what you're going to get into if you go there. And Bill Parcells is, as you saw with Robert Kraft, who's a good owner that's willing to spend money. Uh, Parcells ain't ain't that, you know, it's you're going to do it his way and that's it. So um, that's kind of kind of way that 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 played out. I mean, I can't. I think that Ron convinced them that you are not going to be happy here. Now, why it it took all the way to to <laughs> there's a press conference at a podium and you don't show up. I I just remember hearing it at that time that it was something going on. There was another time Parcells with new ownership actually was being courted by the Bucks. This didn't go as public. This this was a little bit more private. It didn't. It was more in the modern era. And this was before they went and hired Gruden. And but Parcells was mentioned then. I know because he called me and he offered me a position on the staff. So I'm thinking, along with some others, that and this is how rumors get started, by the way. And I didn't mention it to anybody and all that. But literally people who are contacted to be part of the staff thinking they're gone. I'm going to Tampa, you know. And then Bill backs out again, which 
that time was a little different situation and decided it's more about what I just mentioned. Bill wants to get, he wants a job. He wants it. He wants it. He wants it. And he can't live without it. I got to have it. And then he gets all the way to the altar and he's kind of backed out because, you know, I can't do that. I, you know, because that was Bill. It was, I, I got to get back. I got, I get, what do you, what do you, where can I, I got to get back. He gets in like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I can't, you know, he was always, we called him always a miserable bill. It just, and it wasn't that he was miserable, but it was like, it was a catastrophe syndrome always with bill. But so those twice he backed out with the bucks, but the Q Culver house backup was again, I don't know that we've had one quite like that. You've had the basketball coach, Bobby Cremins, accept the South Carolina job from Georgia Tech, have a press conference, announce it, and then the next day backs out. We've had a lot of that. But, you know, it's like literally left at the altar. In this case, left at the podium was you, Culver House. Yeah, that's some memories. Uh, Big Balls uh, said, Welf was with the Bucks. Yeah, we just talked about that. And then drafted Leroy Shelman, among others. That, let me tell you, the Bucks were the laughing stock when they got into the league. They took them a while to win a game. I mean, 1976. Let me remind you, and Ron was a big part of that. People forget the last Super Bowl win of the Steelers. They beat the Rams, the Vince Ferragamo Rams, really good Rams team. Ray Malavese, he was the head coach. It was a pretty good Rams team. The Steelers beat the Rams in their to win their fourth Super Bowl. Chuck Noll Steelers. The team that the Rams beat in the NFC Championship game was the Bucks, the creamsicle Bucks. That Ron had left, but the majority of the players they had put together on that team, Jimmy Giles and Doug Williams, and a lot of those guys were Ron Wolf guys that he built. So Ron had. Uh, quite a bit of success. So absolutely. Hey, that transfers Buccaneers talk. I want to transition to the conference championship games and talk about the Bucks and the Packers. Um, look, they got in as a wild card. They did not handle the Saints this year in the regular season. As we know, last week, Bucks in breaking down the tape, they weren't dominant by any stretch against the Saints. In fact, I don't think they can beat the Packers playing the way they did. I think that Green Bay would have to do along the lines of what the Saints did in terms of making mistakes um, for the Bucks to win, unless the Bucks play quite a bit better. So a couple of things kind of jumped at me. Um, you know, if you're looking at the game from the standpoint, yeah, the Bucks are playing better. It, to me, it, there's a couple of things that, that jump out at me. And one of the things that I, that I believe that's going to be integral to the Bucks' success. Um, with Brady, and particularly with Bruce Arians, they like to go downfield a lot. They, they've got a lot of receiving weapons got tight end weapons, um, and they can have some success. But they, in my opinion, cannot match points with Green Bay if they play that game. The Bucks' success is their ability to run the football. It's not a great 
it's not a patient run game. He's ranked, ended up 28th in the league rushing numbers wise, and they graded out not much better. Um, now the Packers ain't graded out like top 15 run defense, but remember those stats. And I'm bringing the stat out because people refer to that. They don't have the 13th best run defense. Statistically, they do. But here's where statistics lie. Green Bay often gets leads, so teams don't run against them. So statistically, their defense, their run defense looks better than it is. Well, the reality is teams, they're just having to defend the pass because people are down behind. Um, you've got to be able to run the football. Establishing the run comes from a couple of diff- different areas. First of all, you can run out of different formation. You know, you can, in today's world, you can throw out a run formations and run out of pass formations. What you've got to be able to do is manipulate, manipulate numbers in the box. What you have to do to beat the Packers is you have to limit somehow Aaron Rodgers and that Packer offense being on the field. And so I think what you can do, and remember that through the screen game, through the short pass game, those are all elements that really enhance and buttress the run game. You know, um, all you got to do is look at what the Rams did against the Packers. I mean, they gashed the Packers run game. You can run the football on this Packer defense. Cam Akers did a really good job. Um, now what happens is get behind Rams got abandoned the run. So the real key for the bucks is twofold. I mean, everyone tries to segment and separate offense and defense, but offense and defense connect your offense and defense connects how you play offense affects how you play defense and vice versa. And it certainly affects both affect the, the, uh, special team, the kicking game. So you can't stay committed to the run. Establishing the run is easy. Staying committed to the run can be difficult unless your defense cooperates and you can keep the game within reason. A one-possession game for most of the game is what you want to do. Um, But the Rams were able to gash the Packers. Um, The Buccaneers um, split with Fournette and Jones. They did a really good job of running the football against the Saints. Against the Saints defense, that's a really good run defense. Um, They stuck with it, and they got some really big chunks, and that really helped them to make some plays in the passing game. All that set up by the run. Really good job. Um, So when these two teams played this year, I went back and looked at that tape again and looked at with my notes that I made off a grade in that film. Um, Jones carried it 23 times. He ran effectively. Some good after-contact yardage, 113 uh, of the team's 158 rushing yards. Now, how healthy is Jones? He's dealing with that hamstring. Um, and they won going away after they spotted the Packers a 10-point lead. Should the Bucks stay committed to the run again, it's going to work the clock and I think give the Bucks a real advantage. In fact, I would say... This is the key to the Bucs winning the game. 
their run game. They can run it. You can run it against the Packers. The ability or inability to do it will determine this. One of the things, again, if you go chasing points, which you tend to do, you tend to be a little aggressive, then you feed into You will have some success. I don't think you want to get into a shootout with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's the best way. I think you end up losing that. Because right now, even though Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, most accomplished of all time, Aaron Rodgers beats you eight out of ten times in a shootout match because he is just better right now because he's younger. Um, now, on the other side, since I'm going to stay with the discussion of the run game, is Packers run game versus the Bucks run defense. The Packers ran the football well against the Rams. Um, this is a very good running attack. And this is going to be interesting. Um, the Bucks um, leaked a little bit against Kamara, but I thought played pretty good contain. That's going to be key. Okay, so now you force Packers to make some plays through the air. They'll be able to do that. But making them get little chunks instead of big chunks is the key. Because then you have to go back and you have to you have to come back and answer. Whereas you want them to go for sustained drives if you can, because you can create some mistakes with that. Ball can drop, tip, what have you. Um, it is a um, the Bucks defense is a little better than the than the Rams defense in terms of defending the run. They get off blocks a little better and. I think the real key defensively for the Bucs is their ability to defend the run with seven. Uh, they really don't want to put um, an extra guy in the box. They play a lot of man, but they play a lot of two deep man under, and they don't want to have um, a lot of aggressive seven-man blitzes unless they've got enough guys there in the middle of the field defensively. So I think those, the run game on both sides are going to be key. Uh, I do think in the passing game <clears throat> that uh, the Bucks were, were pretty effective um, throwing the football. One of the, one of the best passing teams and, and certainly will kind of in the range of not quite chiefs and bills, but kind of in that almost bills like they, they trust Brady. A um, lot of downfield throws. Um, the Packers were seventh against the pass, and that's legitimate because they see a lot of passing, uh, and they they do a really good job of pattern matching. But this is a lot of weapons that they have to defend. Um, again, the Bucks lean on the run game in the Week Seven matchup. He didn't hold the ball a lot. You know, if you can't run it or people don't respect you running it, then they can get to you with pressure. If they've got to respect the run, they just have to be a little bit hesitant with rushing you. Brady had great protection, had great time, and it had a lot to do with the run game success against the Packers in the previous matchup. So it really contributed to them spreading the ball around. 
Now, um, the Bucks have really good tight end weapons. The Packers do a good job covering tight ends. Um, and we'll see, you know, what they're able to do. Um, Alexander can match up against Evans in the big slot role. He can match up outside. Um, but I think Chris Godwin um, is a real threat here, and we'll see how they're able to use it. Um, now, the other matchup that I think is interesting is, you know, the last one we go through all four is the, the Packers passing game versus the Bucks pass defense. Um, Packers had a top 10 passing attack during the regular season. They could have thrown a lot more, but they are a better team and are here hosting a conference championship game for the first time in Lambeau with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, believe it or not. And the reason is, if you remember all the criticism about well, Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers is great. But the only time that Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl, and this is to the point of great quarterback, but you better play complimentary football around them. They haven't had a really good defense in Green Bay, except for the year that they won the Super Bowl where they really got after it defensively. But they don't run the football. They haven't run the football. They haven't stayed committed to running the football. And so it puts it all on Aaron Rodgers. Where Aaron Rodgers has been the Packers. He's put the team on its back. He's made the playoffs. He's won divisions. But you can't all make it all away because they fall a little short because they don't have enough complimentary play around them. Well, they're running the football more, and that was the reason why Matt LaFleur came in, and that was his purpose. We're going to run the football more, not because we don't believe in Aaron Rodgers, but we believe in Aaron Rodgers. Therefore, we want to utilize him but not be so dependent upon him that if people can just slow that down, because at the highest level in the playoffs against the best defenses, if you've got a weakness, they'll figure it out. So a lot of what they've done is they've relied a little bit more on the run. Now the Buccaneers have really good young defensive backs. I like the way Davis is playing. I think Anton Winfield is good. They have two um, edge rushers. Jason Perpall and Jack Barrett. Um, but they give up some chunk plays. Not good here. Um, and that is partly because they get crossed up in so much man coverage that they play that they give up a lot of yards after the catch, particularly on the second level. And, you know, I think Adams is going to be open and have some opportunities. They got him open against Jalen Ramsey, and I think they're going to do the same against Davis, Bunting, Jamal Dean. Um, they're going to need Devin White, Levante David to have really good coverage games again. Really, really important. Um, but I do think, and, and I think the Bucks play pretty good in nickel. Um, but I think that um, that these that's going to be absolutely key. No question about it. So those are some key things. Now you think, Oh, you're picking, uh, you know what? Check that out. We're going to, we're going to go in a little bit more detail on Landry football and give you a pick there. So over into Kansas city, Buffalo chiefs are going to be playing their third consecutive AFC championship game when they host the bills. Do you know that the chiefs are only the second team to host 
<coughs> excuse me, conference championship games, three consecutive years. You know, the, of course, Andy Reid's done a great job with the Chiefs. You know who has hosted three years in a row the other championship games? The Philadelphia Eagles, three years in a row, coached by Andy Reid. Interesting. Um, Chiefs are in the playoffs for sixth straight season. Meanwhile, second-seeded Buffaloes are in the playoffs for the um, third time in four seasons after breaking an 18-year drought. Um, certainly winning in the playoffs, broke a big drought. Um, Chiefs lost, of course, two years ago against the Patriots and um, won last year after getting down in the playoffs. Every game coming back couple of things in an overview. It is a something's got to give area in that the Chiefs have struggled to put people away. You'll watch them. You'll watch them on tape. You see the explosiveness. You see the ability to um, attack, expose. But the Chiefs kind of go through moments to where they're not quite as sharp. And all of a sudden they found themselves in a lot of one possession games this year. So sometimes it's slow start. Sometimes it's just inability to put people away, but they've not been the great chiefs. They looked a little less than maybe what the film would suggest they have in their capabilities. But, Ironically, in the same way, <laughs> really tough, sometimes impossible for teams to put the Chiefs away. Because regardless how much they're down, they can who can come back in a more explosive fashion than the Chiefs? Improvisational plays, weapons, they can just attack, and all of a sudden they can turn around a deficit and win it like no other. I mean, like no other. I mean, they can flip the switch in a fast break football style as good as anybody we've seen in years. So it kind of sets up for what should be one hell of a game. You know, unless things change, meaning the Chiefs play their best game and which I think if they did, they would beat the Bills and might beat them decisively. That's not been their formula. So that needs to change and they handle that. Or they kind of struggle and the game is a little closer. The Bills, who are really good uh, and are very capable, take advantage of that. And maybe the Chiefs can't come back. So it sets up for the potential of being a really good game, a really close game. Um, we're going to take apart a little bit in detail on Landry football, but just some overview. Um, the Bills run game. Bills run game has statistically not been great, but it's getting better down the stretch when you study them on tape. So statistically, you'll hear people say 20th running game. Well, numbers-wise, that's what it is. They're playing a little bit better now. It's exactly – kind of where the Chiefs are statistically against the run during the season. But, but again, sometimes, um, and I think that's a little bit more indicative than, than as to what they are than you might think because they haven't 
exploded and put teams away. Uh, it, it, so people have been able to keep a balance against them offensively, against the Chiefs' defense. Um, the Bills didn't run the football well against Baltimore at all. Um, the Chiefs gave up over 100, 112, I believe it was, against the Browns, five yards to carry. Um, that's a good Browns run game. Browns have a better run game than the Bills. Um, both these teams abandon the run when it's not working early. Okay, they they're comfortable with quarterbacks to say go and get it. We're not getting it. Go do it. Go make a play. Get the ball to playmakers. We'll get the run after catch. They don't stay patient with the run. Um, so, and both the quarterbacks can run too. Um. But you got Devin Singletary um, in the traditional running back role and Zach Moss from Utah uh, done with an ankle injury. So they, they're they not the best ball control team. So the Bills are going to have to do what they do. And, and the Chiefs are really good in their nickel. So the challenge here is going to be um, they're not going to be able to grind it, I wouldn't think, against this Chiefs defense. but you know, will they be patient enough with the one run to try? Probably need to do that. Most people say you got to run it against the Chiefs, but in the end, the Chiefs score when they need to. This is probably going to have to be a game in which the Bills are going to have to outscore the Chiefs. And what I mean by that, of course, outscore, meaning they're going to have to, they're going to have to go out. They're going to have to score. They're going to have to be aggressive. I don't know that they're going to be able to run the football as well because I don't know that they're going to be as patient with it. And the run game, the way you establish run, I think somebody asked a question. I'll get to him in a second. How do you establish the run? Well, you got to be committed to it. See, people get frustrated. Fans get frustrated. The media gets frustrated. When you run, you don't have success. But what people miss is when you run and you're not getting much yards, you're still having an impact because you're manipulating the defense and you're kind of wearing the defense out a little bit. And so you might run, 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 run with no success. And then they'll throw the football for a big play. And you say, you see that while wow, you're running it, throw the football. What people are not seeing is the reason why you have the success throwing it because you've set it up with the run. They are absolutely focusing and geared and alignment-wise or attacking the run, and that creates the opportunity. So patience, my friend. Will the Bills have the patience to do that? Will they just put it in the quarterback's hand and just try to outscore the Chiefs? That will be something to look forward to. Um, what about the Chiefs' offense? I think we know about the weapons. We know about the quarterback. And, yeah, I don't think there's – Anything other than we're going to see Patrick Mahomes playing in this game, running out. There's nothing that would suggest that he's not going to be cleared for this. Um, but we're dealing with um, now trying to trying to let's break down a little bit of the Chiefs run game. Now that's not a real good running team or a focused running team. They can run it, but remember when you are a good pass team, you can run the football because you see so many you know, um, vacated boxes. So you running against a lot of times, six man boxes, seven man boxes, you can have a lot of success. You got more numbers in which to block those guys. So it's easier to run there and you've, you've got a lot of spacing in which to do it. 
Chiefs don't run it a lot, don't stay committed to running it, of course, and they're ranked kind of middle of the pack at 16, but they get five and a half yards of carry. Why? Why are they running more? Because their run success is a result of spreading people, and the threat of throwing it increases their chance of running it, which is going to be key in this game for both these offenses. Both of these offenses like to throw. Both of these offenses could probably benefit helping their defenses by being able to run the football a little bit more for their offenses. In order to do that, both of these teams can effectively run out of the spread. Who's going to be most committed to doing that? Don't know. Going to be interesting to say. Um, There's a chance at um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire returns, Uh, but if not, the Chiefs would – you know, pound away with Darrell Williams. Need only 13 carries to get 78 of his team's yards last year, uh, last week against the Browns. Uh, the Bills held their own against a really good rushing attack of the Ravens last week when breaking them down. But they still gave up 150 yards to mostly Lamar Jackson and backs. So um, Bills passing game, Chiefs pass defense um, is going to be interesting in that. Bills weren't far behind the Chiefs in terms of their ability to throw it, effectively throw it. The Chiefs contain big plays from Diggs, can throw different coverage and pressure looks at Allen. They were effective at keeping him off balance in the first meeting. Um, Allen was great against the Colts, shaky against the Ravens. Um, So we'll see. I think they'll do a pretty good job in emphasizing covering the middle. So we'll see exactly how things will work. On the other side, how will um, the Bills' pass defense match up against the Chiefs? Uh, Bills had some some coverage mishaps against the Ravens, even though they're very talented back there. They've got some guys that can match up. Um, the Bills struggle more than most against high-quality tight ends. So... That's going to be a real interesting watch there. Special teams, uh, both good kickoff return teams. Hardeman and Roberts are really good. The Bills are a little bit better at fielding punts. Uh, They have a punting edge with, um, I think, in this game. Uh, So it's real interesting. Obviously, the Chiefs were there last year. A little bit of an intangible factor there, no doubt. But ought to be really good games. We'll go more in-depth over at LandryFootball.com. Check it out. On the way out the door, let's get to a couple of questions here. Um, since week six, after the Bucks beat Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers statistically 37 passing touchdowns, um, to three interceptions to finish the regular season, Brady 32 to eight. Uh, absolutely. Um, I know Bill Belichick won't admit this, but do you think the Patriots could have had the receivers that Brady has currently right now, possibly if Brady's staying with the page, um, Brady wanted to move and kind of decided that, um, I don't know. I, I'm speculative. I, I don't know. I don't know if he would have stayed. Uh, if an NFL team uses the George Allen over the Hill gang blueprint of trading all of his draft picks, including years ahead for veterans, could it work? No. It would. It's a disaster. In fact, we've already seen it tried. That was Dan Snyder and the Redskins for years. The reason that doesn't work is because what you're doing, free agency is a bad value. 
So what you're paying in free agency is you're overpaying for less value. You're paying for what a guy was. Most of the free agents are free agents because the team, even though they might like him, realize he's not worth the money that he, somebody else is going to give him. So they know him best and he leaves those. You're going to be spending big money for guys whose value are not nearly as good. So what you are, that's the worst thing to do. That's why draft picks are even more valuable today because the only cost effective measurement of getting good players for good monetary value or through the draft. So no, back then, you know, I mean, it, it worked to a degree with George Allen. He had veteran guys, but he also had a team that, you know, were like they make a run one year and then, you know, it kind of fell apart. The ability to sustain it is through the draft and the, the ability of building a roster in today's free agent environment is to get wait for the second wave of free agency, get some bargains to fill some needs and, mainly build your team through the draft. So it's it would be the exact opposite. Hey, uh, appreciate you joining us again. Uh, check us out next week uh, um, at uh, the Landry Football Podcast. Check out uh, LandryFootball.com for all the latest. Uh, we're going to be, again, working on draft information, recruiting information, free agency, um, obviously breaking down these conference championship games. We got it all for you at LandryFootball.com. So, uh, check it out today. Take advantage of the year membership. Um, the holiday savings get you the best deal that we have. Appreciate you joining us. Join us again next time for the Landry Football Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.